0: Good morning fellowship, we're so glad you guys are here. Uh, If I don't know you, my name is Josh and I work with FSM, our student ministry next door with 7th through 12th graders. Hey, we have some announcements, you guys are still coming in. Um, The first one from this video, uh, it's time for elder nominations around our church. We are a church that is led by elders, uh, and so if you know someone who would be a, a wonderful fit to help uh, lead in our church, please prayerfully considering consider nominating that person. Um, and and you can do that online, or we have paper nominations in the back. Deadlines for that are December 11th. And if you don't have somebody you're thinking of, please be praying as our church goes through this process. Um, yeah. We have a couple more announcements for you guys. Uh, coming up, we have our family Advent service. We've partnered with some churches in the area to kick off the Advent season, and I don't know what uh, where you grew up or what tradition you've grown up in, but we love celebrating Advent here. So uh, that's November 26th, it'll be here from six to seven. Please get your family together and come celebrate Advent with us here on November 26th. We also, for Operation Christmas Child, the last day to bring in your boxes is next Sunday. So if you have that box at home and you've been putting off putting the things together for it, um, we need that coming this week. And so those are in the, in the back if you want more information about Operation Christmas Child. But if not, please have those in this coming Sunday. I, and really quickly, I wanted to give you guys an update on FSM. This is my first fall in this role, and it has been such a joy to be here with your students and with the students next door. We had our fall retreat. Some of these pictures are from our fall retreat back in September, and it was just a really awesome time to see the Lord move and work in the lives of students, but also it was just a lot of fun We're also in the middle of our cell group season. Cell groups are all underway, and it has been a real joy to see cell group leaders grow in their ability to disciple and mentor uh, young men and women, but also to see students build friendships and go deeper in their faith with the Lord. This past week, I've been talking to cell group leaders who are trying to schedule and coordinate how they can meet outside of cell group and go deeper in discipleship, and so really awesome things are happening in FSM right now. Uh, and coming up for as an opportunity for you guys, one of the things that we do every year is service projects, and those take place in, on spring break. Uh, this year we are taking students to Nashville. We're partnering with Mission Discover, a mission organization there, and we're gonna do service projects all over the Nashville area with 9th through 12th graders. And so up here, if you have a student and you didn't hear about this next week, here's the link to sign up and all the information available for you guys. Uh, but if And we have cost up there, but one of the things that we are really passionate about in this church is that cost isn't something that's gonna prevent a student from going on a trip like this. We think these trips are awesome, one, for them to get experience serving, but also for intentional opportunities to share the gospel both with our students and with others. And so, uh, I wish there was a more organized way to do this at this point, but we will kind of know the needs of students as they come up over the next month or two. And so, if you're already interested and you know I wanna support a student going on these trips, you can email me here. That's J-O Pankey, don't miss the E in there, at fellowshipnwa.org. And just put the subject line, FSM Nashville. You can put anything in the body of the email you want, Um, recipes, but skip past the long story and just get to the recipe itself. Um, You can give a prayer, all those things, but as long as I see that subject line, I'll make sure and know. And we'll get in contact with you guys about ways you can help us get students to Nashville. That's all the announcements I got. Garland, do you have one more for everybody?
1: Yeah, one more. If you, uh, if you were a Springdale, uh, Tiny Town resident, but you um, worship here, this is your home church, then tonight we actually have a really amazing opportunity. We're going to uh, gather together with uh, both the, S- the Springdale people that worship here and in Rogers at Helen Tyson Middle School at 6 o'clock to 730. And uh, there are over 900 families uh, in the Springdale school system that over the holidays will not have a place to sleep like tonight. And so uh, what we do as a church is we come together to try to uh, practically meet uh, some of their needs. And we're going to get to do that in partnership with our Rogers uh, congregation as well. And so Springdale people in the room, we know there's many of you uh, that live in Springdale, Tiny Town. Tonight, 6 o'clock, Helen Tyson Middle School, I'm going to be there. Uh, We're going to gather, and it's going to be just a great time just to pray for the city and uh, to cast some vision on how we can practically serve the city. Um, Morning, everybody. How are we? Um, we're gonna do something I like to do that many of you enjoy some of you do not if you wouldn't mind would you stand and greet the person around you and if you would scoot to the to your left as much as you can in your row good good morning we're glad you're here welcome to fellowship Fayetteville your left scoot to your left as far as you can in your row shuffle over to the left very talkative bunch today look at you look at you guys um proud of y'all hey one of the things that we get to do when we come gather in this place and if you are here and maybe this is your first time in church or the first time in a long time to church. What we do is we gather together uh, as a family. Um, the church refers to each other as brothers and sisters. We see that in the Bible. We do that uh, as well. And we see each other as a family. And so together as a family, we get to come together and celebrate not our goodness, not what we bring to the table, but Jesus, our King, our Savior, our rescuer and his goodness for us. And so we get to celebrate that together by studying the scripture, by, by praying, by seeing each other and by singing songs. And so, uh, uh, this morning, uh, if you're a if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, if He's changed your life, I just want to invite you and, and us up here just to almost reflect on, on what it, what it meant for Him to to rescue you. Where were you? When was that? What were the circumstances? And how's your life been different because of what Jesus has done for you and on your behalf on the cross? And what's He done for you? And I'd love us just to take a just take some time as we sing this first song, even to be thinking about your story, my story, and celebrate our King together. So let's do that.
2: Sing these words. And I've been held by the Savior And I felt fire from above And I've been down to the river. Oh, I ain't the same, the prodigal return. Sing it out, All My Hope. And all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday's gone. And I've been washed by the blood So I'm no stranger to the prison And I've worn shackles and chains But I've been free and forgive Oh, I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. Now I'm singing. Oh, my hope is in Jesus. Thank God,
3: my
2: yesterday's gone. all oh, my forgiven And I've been washed by the blood
1: reflecting on our story what Jesus has done for us we remind ourselves of what he's rescued us from and together we come in here every week and we, we say these words together we pray this confession together and so let's pray reminding ourselves of what we're rescued from Heavenly Father have mercy on us we have not loved you as you deserve we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves We have not obeyed you as we should. Lord, forgive us our sin. We are in need of a Savior. To remember, remind ourselves of his goodness and his grace that we are in need of a Savior, and yet, for those of us that are in Christ never room, we have found that Savior. There's good news for us. So, church, believe the good news that Jesus died for us, Jesus rose for us, Jesus intercedes for us. In him, we are a new creation. In him, we have forgiveness of sin. In him, we have a Savior. To God be the glory forever and ever.
2: you have and always give hope you give hope you have and always will you're in you have and always will you change hearts you have and always will you breathe love You have well. But you haven't always willed. My loneliness, you come to me, again. you haven't always willed. Think about these words brokenness of your kind is true you have and always will and oh you have not always will you give hope You
3: have
2: and always. You revive my soul with every word you say. You have and always. Your faithfulness sustains what you oh, it has and always. Has. Oh, your faithfulness keeps us in your hand. Oh, it has and always.
1: Has. Jesus, that's what you do for us. You are the, the answer to the Old Testament looking for the Savior, looking for the rescue, looking for the King to come in the faithfulness of God, and we can see in your face. And so, Jesus, we honor you as our King. We thank you for changing lives. Thank you for changing our lives, many of us in this room. We give you the glory as our Savior, in your name, amen. You can grab a seat. Let's celebrate life change together through baptism.
4: We get to celebrate God's faithfulness this morning. This is Sadie, and Sadie is a follower of Jesus. And as we all sang about how God changes hearts, we get to celebrate that her heart has been changed by Jesus. And she is a follower of Christ. And she's here today because she wants y'all to know that she loves Jesus. And so, Sadie, you're telling me and all of these people that you are a follower of Jesus. Yes. And you want to be obedient to him by being baptized here today. Yes. Well, Miss Sadie, I'd love to pray for you. Is that okay? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful for Sadie. God, I am so thankful for the way that she loves you, the joy that you've placed in her, Father, that is evident to everyone that's around her. God, I pray that as she continues to grow in her faith that you would develop her into a woman who continues to love you and love your word. And God, I pray that she would be one who prays for those around her. And God, I'm so grateful for the faith that you've placed in her and that she loves you. Uh, And it's in your name we pray, amen. Well, Miss Sadie, turn this way. It's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Good job.
5: brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
6: Well, thank you, Lauren. As you heard, we're continuing our study in the book of Philippians. If you're jumping in with us today, maybe you haven't been with us this fall. We're so glad you're here. We started back in September studying this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and we're gonna continue in chapter four this morning. Well, my name's Michael, and I serve on the community team here at Fellowship Fable. It's great to be with y'all. Before we jump right into the text, though, there's one thing I, I wanna do. I wanna recognize some folks who are right here in this room this morning. A lot of you know yesterday was Veterans Day, and so if you served in our armed forces or you're on active duty, would you please stand so that we can just say thank you for your service. Thank y'all. Well, I imagine all of you who served in the military, you probably had an experience where you were given conflicting orders. You were told to do this and to do that, and those two things didn't go together. We've all had those experiences, you know, like get there as fast as you can, but save fuel. Like that's hard to do. Get this done as quickly as possible, but make sure it's accurate. Those are competing We've probably all had moments where we felt like we were sitting at one of these signs. Stop, but don't stop. You can only go this way, but don't go this way. And the reason I'm bringing this up is you might have noticed it when Lauren read it. It feels a little bit like that. That's what Paul's doing in our passage today, because in our passage, he says, stand firm, but agree, rejoice, but be gentle. Like these things feel like they're competing. It feels like that's gonna be hard to pull that all together. So we're gonna take a little closer look and see what Paul's actually calling on us to do. So if you've got your Bible or your digital device, go ahead and turn with us. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter four. If you brought your Philippians study guide, we're on page 56. I love seeing people bring those study guides to the service. There's a place in there for you to make some notes. And actually, I'm gonna give you quite a few cross-references today. So if you brought your pen, pull that out and we'll mark this thing up together. As you turn to Philippians chapter four, verse one, the first thing that we notice is it begins with the word therefore. So we have to ask ourselves, as good Bible students, what is Paul connecting this passage to? What comes before Philippians four one? And if you look back at Philippians three, Paul's been talking about our salvation. We spent three weeks in here unpacking chapter three, the gift of our salvation. Justification, what's happened in the past. Sanctification, what's happening today. Glorification, what still awaits us in the future. And if you missed any of those, you have questions about those, I would encourage you to go to our website, watch the service or pull the podcast. Steve Graves and Garland and Andy, they did an incredible job unpacking those different pieces of our salvation. Now in chapter four, Paul says, therefore, Stand firm. But he doesn't go straight to stand firm, does he? No, he puts some other things in between there, some things that show the depth of his affection for the church at Philippi. He calls them his family, brothers and sisters. He says, I love you. I long for you. There's no doubt that Paul feels this strong connection to the church at Philippi. So in verse one, what he says, in effect, is in view of the salvation we've been talking about. My family of faith that I love, stand firm. Now, does that sound familiar in the context of this letter? If you've been studying this with us in September, stand firm. Does that sound familiar? Well, it should, because it's in a verse that we keep going back to week after week as one of the key verses for the whole book. It's Philippians chapter one, verse 27, where Paul says, stand firm in one spirit, it's the exact same wording in the English and in the, in the Greek. And so when we see something repeated like that, our antenna goes up. Paul is connecting these two sections. He's, in effect, pulling the whole thing together. And so in your Bible or in your notes, next to Philippians 4.1, I want you to write 127. And if you're really brave, next to 127, write 4, one. And then let's look at what's in between there. Paul says, Stand firm. Then he says, Have the mind of Christ, which is all about humility and considering others better than yourself. Then he goes on in chapter two and says, Let me give you some examples. He gives the example of himself, his life's being poured out. He says, Look at Timothy, look at Epaphroditus. Then chapter three, he unpacks this salvation. And then he sums it up by saying, so stand firm. And then look what he says next. Look at verse two. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended by my side for the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Paul says, Yodia, Syntyche, I'm pleading with you. Can you imagine this moment? Can you imagine when this letter arrived in Philippi? Everybody gathers together. They've got the whole church sitting around there. The messenger, probably Epaphroditus, he hands it off to probably the lead elder of the church. He opens it up. It's a word from Paul. And as they're listening, Yodia and Syntyche. Hear their names, and it's Paul, the great apostle Paul, who brought the gospel to their city, who planted their church, and he's pleading with them to get along. I'm picturing them on both sides of the room, arms crossed, looking at each other, and then their faces just turning red in embarrassment. Now, I know what my granny would have said. My granny would have said, these women need to cut out this fussing. Did y'all grow up with that? Cut the fussing? Kind of old-timey? Well, I'm bringing it back. Because there's a lot of fussing going on out there in the world, and it needs to be cut out. Paul says, Yodia, Syntyche, I'm pleading with you. Cut out the fussing. Now, what do we know about Yodia and Syntyche outside of just this one passage? Well, I have a slide with everything we know about them. They're never mentioned anywhere else. We don't know where they're from. We don't know how old they were. We don't know how long they'd been believers. We don't know what their role was in the church. And importantly, we don't know what the conflict was about. But we do know what Paul wants them to do. Paul says, be of the same mind in the Lord. That should sound familiar, too. Next to that verse, write Philippians 4, next to 4-2, write Philippians 2, 2. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says this: make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of the same mind. In the Greek, it's the exact same words, like-minded, of the same mind. So next to 2-2, write 4-2, and vice versa. Paul's very tightly connecting these verses together. In fact, some commentators believe that the conflict between Yodi and Syntyche is what Paul's been building up to through this whole letter. And then look what he says here about Yodi and Syntyche. He says, they've contended at my side for the gospel. And then he says, their names are written in the book of life. That phrase, in the book of life, it's interesting. It's scattered throughout Scripture. I'm just going to give you two verses. We're not going to turn there, but you can jot them down. Daniel 12, 1. Remember, recently we studied the book of Daniel. Write down Daniel 12, 1, and then Revelation 21, 27. I chose those of all the verses where it's mentioned because those two verses take us all the way back to the Old Testament, And all the way forward to the end of the New Testament, even the very end of this age, Paul says, when this final judgment comes, these ladies, they're gonna be part of this long line of believers that stretches all the way back to the Old Testament and goes all the way forward through today to the end of the age. People who trusted in the promises of God, and who will be spared in the final judgment. And so even though we don't know much else about Yodi and Syntyche, there's some clues in this text about this conflict. There's something going on with these ladies who are in a disagreement. A disagreement that's big enough, we might note, for Paul, who's hundreds of miles away and in prison, to be concerned about it. I think he's concerned because they're both believers. It's a conflict within the church. It's not like an outsider is causing problems for the church at Philippi. These ladies, they contended by Paul's side for the gospel. Their names are in the book of life. They're believers. So this is a good place for us to pause. Conflict in the church between believers. It happens, right? Now, let me say, before we talk about this, my wife Leah and I have been at fellowship for 27 years. And in that time, it's a pretty harmonious place. People generally get along pretty well here. But occasionally, something comes up between believers that they just can't get past. And we definitely see it if we go outside these walls into our broader Christian community that people are in conflict, they're at an impasse. And this is where I feel like Paul's sort of giving us conflicting instructions. That's why I was referring to that at the beginning of the talk, because Paul said, stand firm. And now he says, but get along. And when he says, be of the same mind, what that means is, agree. And when I read this, I think to myself, yes, people should agree with me. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what you think? Man, if everybody agreed with me, we'd all get along fine. But it's not that simple, is it? I mean, look at Iote and Syntyche. They're both believers. They're both laborers for the gospel. Their names are in the book of life, and yet they can't seem to agree. So how do we approach this? Well, I think for starters, we've got to figure out What are the issues that we have to agree on? What are the fundamentals versus what are those issues that we can hold a little more loosely, that we can agree to disagree, as they say? Well, there's a theologian and Bible teacher named Dr. Jerry Brashears, and he's done a lot of good thinking and writing on this question, and so I'm really gonna lean into him here. I'm gonna use his categories to help us think about this. He's divided issues that we might disagree about into four categories he calls levels of certainty. The first one, the things we're most certain about, he calls these die-for issues. These are the absolute essentials. These are the things that around fellowship we've traditionally called orthodoxy. In other words, these are the things that make a Christian a Christian. So when it comes to the issue of the Trinity, God eternally existing as three persons in one God, that is a die for belief. We're gonna stand firm on that. The full deity and humanity of Jesus. We don't have any room to wiggle on that. We're not gonna try to find common ground with someone who rejects that as a core belief. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that's a central essential belief. That is a die for belief belief. Now you might be thinking to yourself, die for. (laughs) It's a little dramatic, but it's not because there are places in the world that these are die for ideas. There are fellow believers today in the world putting their life on the line by saying the very things I'm boldly proclaiming here. And you know what? We have global workers from this body in some of those places These are the essential elements of the Christian faith that we are willing to put our life on the line for because, let me read what Dr. Bashir says about the die-for issues. He says, to deny them knowingly would demonstrate that you are outside the boundaries of gospel orthodoxy and perhaps not living in relationship with Jesus. These are core things we have to stand firm on. Now, his next category of certainty, he calls divide for. These are issues that we would say, yeah, those are pretty foundational to our life and practice as followers of Jesus. And if we need to disagree on these, we're probably going to have to divide. We're probably going to have to be part of a different expression of Christ somewhere. So what would some divide for issues be? Well, one might be whether baptism is meant for infants or believers, that's probably a divide for issue. Maybe we would divide over things like the sign gifts and speaking in tongues. Maybe we would divide over church governance, whether the church should be led by elders or whether the whole body should vote on every issue. But the key thing here is, the people that we divide from, we still consider believers. We still love them and pray for them and we'll work with them on kingdom issues even though we don't see eye to eye on some pretty fundamental things. And I would hasten to add, we don't lob verbal bombs at them. We don't go after them for their beliefs on social media. We don't talk bad about them in our community groups. We recognize that we disagree on some things, but we're all still part of the broader church. The next category Dr. Bashir's talks about is the debate for category. And these are the issues that we're wrestling with at our church. Maybe some things that we are debating, seeking the Lord on, trying to be obedient in. So this might be things like the role of women in the church or how we worship, our approach to global ministries. But the key is we're not dividing over it. We're continuing to worship together. We're continuing to be in community even as we seek guidance on these things. And here's the thing about the debate for issues. Let's have the debates. Like, let's not be afraid to to talk about these things. Let's discuss our philosophy of ministry. Let's wrestle with them in community. Let's don't allow them to be things that we would break fellowship over, divide over. And then our final category, that's the decide for. And these are the things where we need to show each other a little grace. These are the things where each of us as an individual believer feels the freedom to make up our own mind and to be accepting of other believers who might land on something different. So a decide for issue might be the best place for a family's kids to go to school or issues of food and drink, issues of modesty and clothing. It could even be something like how the church is furnished and decorated. That may sound silly, but we've known churches who made that a divide for issue, haven't we? You've probably heard me mention this before, it's one of my favorites. The guy on the desert island, he's there for years, he finally gets rescued, he has three huts. He says, oh, that that first hut, that's my home. The second hut, that's my church. The rescuers say, what's the third hut? And he goes, oh, that's my old church. We can find a reason to divide. So here's our challenge. We can't let decide for questions or debate for questions become die for issues. I got a slide advancement issue back there, guys. We can't let what we call passion projection take something that should be something every believer can decide for themselves and elevate it to something we would die for, or worse, say that someone who disagrees with us on this is no longer a Christian, we've made it a divide for issue, even though that person might affirm every other essential doctrine of the faith. And y'all, this happens in our broader culture as well. Just pick any hot-button political issue you want to. If the Bible doesn't speak directly to it, We shouldn't be disparaging fellow believers for holding an opinion contrary to ours. But it works the other way too. We can't let die for issues be dragged down to where there's something that we're going to debate. So when we hold as a die for issue, the claim of Jesus that he is the only way to heaven, firmly, There are people inside and outside the church who want to say, that's too exclusive. Let's debate that. And we need to say, no, we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. That's the standing firm Paul's referring to. Because, y'all, we're not doing anybody any favors if we allow die-for issues to be put on the table for debate in the name of inclusivity. We're not helping anyone by giving them false assurance In the name of all, getting along and being agreeable. So then the question becomes, well, how do we decide what goes into each one of these categories? And many of us here at Fellowship had a seminary professor who gave us a great analogy for this. I've never forgotten. He said in some places in the Bible, some doctrines, some beliefs, there's a lot of scriptural support. And the analogy was the ice is very thick. We can jump up and down on it. It's not going to break. But as we move down to divide for, debate for, and especially decide for, the scriptural support gets less and less until we're out on some pretty thin ice scripturally. We may believe that and we may hold that as an opinion, but he said, don't jump up and down on that. That ice might break. And so as always, we figure all this out in the context of community. Look back at our passage. Paul is calling for the community to come around these ladies. He says, I ask you, my true companion. He's talking to somebody in the church there. He says, bring in Clement, bring in the rest of my coworkers. It's in community. With the help of God's Holy Spirit that we can open the scriptures and determine... How we can agree in the Lord, as well as what we need to stand firm on. And Paul's going to conclude this little section by reminding us how we do this matters. We saw this over and over this summer in our study of 1 Peter, how we conduct ourselves. Again, we're back to chapter 1, verse 27, a manner of life worthy of the gospel It matters. Look at verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Then he repeats it. I'll say it again. Rejoice. It's the overriding theme of the whole book. Authentic joy. Whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're disagreeing about, it should never, ever eclipse the joy we have in knowing the Lord Now, I get an up-close look at this kind of joy all the time because I'm married to someone who just exudes this joy in the Lord. It is very difficult to make her mad. Now, I'm not bragging, but I have done it. I mean, y'all can imagine what being married to me is like. But she has this joy, even as she's celebrating our anniversary at a motorcycle race. More than once. I have learned car parts don't belong in the bathtub. That seems to impact her joy. Paul's really going to press into this next week. Our circumstances don't determine our joy. When we realize what we have in Christ, all the things we talked about the last three weeks, we can rejoice. And then look at verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That word gentleness, it struck me because as always preparing this passage, I looked at multiple translations and I noticed the NIV, which we're using, it's what's in our study guide, says gentleness. But the ESV, which is the, the translation that I normally use for study and devotional reading, it says reasonableness, The New American Standard, Brian Pope's Bible of choice, it says gentle spirit. The CSB, the one that Ryan uses, it says your graciousness. When you have different, good, solid translations using a different word, it tells you it's a word that's hard to bring over into English. It's a Greek word that it's hard to nail down with just one English word. So what should we as followers of Jesus, be known for? Well, first of all, our joy, that's in verse four. And then in verse five, a reasonableness, a graciousness, a gracious spirit, a gentleness. I actually like how Brad Reagan's translation of choice, the New Living Translation puts it. The New Living says, let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Be considerate. I feel like that captures it. Just be considerate of how your words and your actions affect other people, especially in light of that final sentence. The New Living says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. We believe that. And when he does, what will he find? Will he find that we, his people, are known for what we're against? That we're known for strife. We're known for being contentious. Or will he return to find that we're known for how considerate we are? And I have to look in the mirror as I ask this. Because see, I want to stand firm in the right things. I want to be united side by side with all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But I also want to known for being gentle, reasonable, gracious, considerate. As followers of Jesus, we're called to stand firm, unified in the gospel, being considerate of all. See, in my flesh, I want to win arguments. Y'all, sometimes I'll keep arguing when I know I'm wrong just because I think I can still win. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy who wins people, not arguments. I'd rather love someone into the kingdom than argue someone out. And so, yeah, I'm gonna stand firm. I'm gonna stand firm in the gospel. I'm always gonna stand firm in the good news that Jesus Christ was the world's true king, Israel's Messiah, that he came to earth and lived the life I couldn't live, that he died the death I deserved, so that through his resurrection, I could receive a gift I didn't deserve, eternal life with him. And I want to let that gospel, that good news, just fill me up and flow out of me in a joy that's independent of my circumstances. that's gracious, gentle, a considerate spirit that invites people, people with questions, people with objections, people who've been hurt by the church, I want to invite them to experience Jesus because I really do believe in him. They'll find a joy they'll never find anywhere else. And so as we close this part of our service, I want to invite you to just consider this statement and ask before the Lord, where do you need to grow? Do you need to stand firm? Do you need to accept the free gift of salvation God's offering you? Do you need to nail down what you believe on these big, essential things. Or maybe you need to be unified with other believers. If your walk with Jesus is marked with contention, arguments, strife, maybe you need to pray about seeking some unity. Or maybe you're like me. Before the Lord, I just need to consider how I can be considerate, gentle, inviting to outsiders. Fellowship Fayetteville, let's be a people changed by grace, And now offering that grace to the people the Lord brings to us. Will you pray with me about this? Lord, thanks for your word. Thank you for this passage of scripture that just gives us a little insight in how you want us to live. And so, Lord, may we be firm in the things we should be firm on. May we believe our beliefs. And then, Lord, may we be united around those essentials. Not quarreling, but Presenting a united gospel message. And Lord, may we be gracious. May we be considerate. Lord, use us to change all the places we live, work, and play to introduce people to the source of our joy, Jesus.
1: his name Found a, a life worth living, a story worth telling. And together, as we see you as our King, as we honor you as our King, may our song go up in unison to tell that story. That the Savior has come, the one that can bring life and healing to not only our life, but to our neighborhoods and our cities and our world. And Jesus, we look to you and you alone. As the answer help us to do so but to do so with with grace and compassion and kindness to everyone around us because that's what you showed us help us to walk in your ways today and this week for your name and your glory we pray this in your name as our King Jesus amen if you need prayer right through those doors we'd love to pray with you communions right through those doors up the stairs you can take communion Fellowship Fayetteville we love you have a wonderful week of worship see you next week